Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network, coming to you from the TeacherCast studios since 2011. Join us each week as we bring you the latest educational news, ed tech updates, and hottest interviews with today's most influential leaders in education. And now, for your host, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is the Jeff Bradbury Show, a podcast for bloggers, podcasters, speakers, authors, anybody out there who's in the educational content creation sphere. If you guys have any questions about how to build your EDU brand, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, like, and share this episode with your friend. I am so excited to have you guys on here tonight. All of our archives can be found over at buildyouredubrand.com. We have a great 90-day email marketing challenge happening right now. If you're looking to build your brand by getting into email marketing, learning how to build a community, and doing it through passive acts such as building your email brands, we would love to have you guys check out everything over and build your edubrands.com. I hope you guys are having a good time. Hope you had a good summer and are looking forward to a great school year. I'm excited about this episode today. We're talking all about relationships, those things that sometimes we take for granted, but oftentimes we kind of get in the middle of and don't quite know how to either get into, get out of, or heck, even go sideways with. My guest today is an author and a speaker and one of the co-founders of Be The Stage Live, a fantastic community building platform I want to bring on today, my good friend, Mr. Pablo Gonzalez. Pablo, welcome to the show. How are you today? Jeff, I am phenomenal, my friend. Happy to be on the other side of the mic with a true pro at this thing like you are, man. I'm, I'm excited to have a, a deep conversation that provides as much value as possible to you and your audience. It is great to have you here. We've been talking now for the last couple of weeks about doing something together. And, uh, you know, my audience is just thirsty to learn about relationships. It's the beginning of a school year. We've got our coaches who are meeting new teachers. We've got our teachers who are meeting new students and meeting new parents. And you've got all these teachers that I've been seeing over the summer with these great ideas. I want to build a website to do this. I want to go speak at this. I want to go be on a Twitter chat. All these different things. But what I'm finding here is it comes down to one word relationships. And that is what we're going to be talking all about today. Now, you are not a stranger to relationships. Tell us a little bit about your background. Who is Pablo Gonzalez? Pablo Gonzalez is somebody that's been obsessed with relationships his whole life, <laughs> right? Uh, my funny that we're on this podcast about, about education, because my first formative memory is walking into preschool in Miami in 1983, knowing that I was the only kid that didn't speak English. And I have this really vivid out of body, third person kind of like memory of it, of walking in with my little backpack on and just, just terrified of the answering the question of how am I going to fit in? How am I going to belong? How do I how do I communicate here? And lucky for me, there was one kid, Jose Garrido, that spoke Spanish and he became my BFF, right? And and at that age, you're a sponge, right? Like you're three years old. You're just uh, kind of learning to speak English too. So that was pretty easy for me. And then 
it was about a year later that my family picked up and moved to Spain and I enrolled in this British Academy and I walked in feeling pretty cocky once again, third body, third body experience, you know, out of body experience thinking that I was going to walk in and I knew Spanish and English. And this moment hit me that I realized that I did not understand the Spanish dialect from Spain or the British dialect. And, uh, again, it was this bottom falling out from under me of, of belongingness and that shaped me for life, right? So from there on out, I, I, I've just always been really, really driven into this idea that when I walk into a place, I want to feel like I belong. And I'm very conscious of anybody that walks into an environment and their discomfort in not belonging and, and, and wanting to connect them. So I grew up as this gregarious kid that was always seeking conversation with everybody and that that worked really well for me as a kid, right? Like there's not a lot of these, um, you know, eight-year-old, nine-year-olds that can hold a, hold a conversation with an adult. And when you have that conversation, you're like, I like this kid. And, 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 and that created this positive feedback of being this kind of entertainer and, and, and somebody that could hold attention that at a certain point in my life, I realized that I took a little too far. And I started really just trying to be Ace Ventura in every single conversation and, and be, and, and be the funny guy in every room. And luckily for me in my early thirties, I, I started getting really involved in nonprofits and exposure to people that were on the boards of nonprofits taught me the lesson that the most influential people in town are the ones that are of service. And I immediately flipped my mindset from trying to be the most popular person and coolest guy in the room to how can I make the person in front of me feel like the most popular and coolest person in the room. And, uh, that's been working out really well for me since, man. That's, you know, know, that's really interesting. You said from, from an early age, your concept of building relationships was really uh, what, forgive me on this, a survival technique, right? You didn't know anybody. You didn't know the language you, you clung to, you know, the thing that you found was familiar with you. And we're going to get into all these different conversations and relationship types, but you know, you just mentioned how important it is to walk in and be able to make a connection, find a relationship, build that. Why is that important both in the professional life and personal life? We're going to be jumping back and forth here, but you know, you walk into a bar, you work into a conference room, you are, you walk into, you know, any kind of situation. Why is it important that we have to find that relationship that somebody to talk to, to connect to? I don't know if I know the answer to that question, but what I can tell you is that the human being is the quintessential social animal, right? We didn't, we didn't leave caves because we had, any particular strength or speed or ability to adapt to a natural environment. We left the cave because at some point one caveman looked at another caveman and said, we can take down a woolly mammoth if we work together and we can eat for days and have clothes and you know, these kinds of things. And, 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 and we densified in cities because a couple of Romans looked around and said, we can build this aqueduct and we can solve for sanitation. And now we can be completely together. And, you know, I, I, I think it is at our absolute core that we are social and you see it in all primates. And I think that when you walk in a room feeling like you're not part of something else and that you're by yourself, it clouds the judgment and it, and it creates a bunch of noise that interferes with the signal of whatever you're trying to accomplish. 
So if you can just quickly snap into that feeling of belonging, it takes one variable away from the infinite amount of variables that we're dealing with every day. And for those of us that are out there really trying to make some kind of impact, make a difference in someone's life, put a message out there, lead a movement, whatever you're trying to do, that feeling of belonging is is right at right at the base of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the feelings uh, that every professional goes through when they first walk into a room and at the same time, what every husband feels like at their kid's birthday party and they have to try to fit into a bunch of people who they don't know. Yeah. When we're looking at these relationships, you know, you mentioned finding things that people have in common. But when it comes to building professional relationships, you know, maybe you go to a conference, maybe you're out there, you don't always have people that have your common interests that you're looking to build a relationship off of. Maybe you need to make a relationship with a speaker, with your boss, with the group of colleagues, and maybe they don't all like the same sports team. Maybe they don't all have the same family values or political values or whatever. What advice do you have when you're out there building relationships because, say, because you have to, rather than out of, you know, making friends to have long lasting relationships. I mean, I'm sure you've walked into situations and you had to figure out, okay, who can help me the most or how do I find the connection that I need to get me to where I want to go? Yeah. That's tough to answer, man, because one of the, one of the key things that I have found is that if you approach with a service mentality, you're going to be able to connect with everybody. So this idea that you can skip the, how can I be of service to how can I be served? I think is an errant idea. And what I found in my, in my obsession in this, right. in reading books and in experimenting and whatever, I find that there's the two quickest ways to connect with people is to either share a vulnerability with somebody, right? Like if, if you and I were, in the army together, we both went through some kind of common hardship that we can connect to. It's the reason why generations connect to each other. If you tell me you lost a sibling, we immediately connect, right? Like that type of stuff. And then the other thing that always works is adding value to someone's life. Like that is, that is one, you know, those two ways are the quickest ways to connect. So within all of that, the easiest thing that is most universal is giving somebody the value of an audience, giving somebody the value of being heard and being listened to. And somebody that's genuinely asking you questions, that's trying to get to solve some kind of problem, some kind of puzzle for you that you got going on in your head. So the answer to your question, long story longer, is go in there and approach people with curiosity and wonder instead of in judgment. And if you approach a conversation in that regard of just completely open-mindedness and you start with a question that allows you to understand some type of priority or some kind of incentive that they may be seeking, then you're off and running, right? So I never I never approach these conversations with, uh, I never start a conversation with, so what do you do, man? Right. Cause that's one of those things that people are like, oh, I'm an accountant. I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a school administrator. And it's like an open and close and shut. And it doesn't usually tell you what they're incentivized to do. My go-to line to start a conversation is ask somebody what brings you here. And 
that you can use that at your kid's birthday party. What brings you here? Oh man, my, you know, I, you, I'm normally not here, but my wife had to do this. It's like, oh man. So, okay. So you're the one that normally has to do this stuff in the house. Tell me about that. What's your role like? Right. And you start just kind of getting people to talk about the stuff that they care about and, and how to, and, and, and you start, if you ask further and further probing questions into questions that allow you to discern what may be something that they're motivated by, then you can start to uncover some kind of goal. Then you can get to a certain point where it's like, oh, okay, that's what you care about. I read something about that. Let's talk about it, right? Or that's what you care about. Oh, I know somebody that's in that realm. Maybe I can introduce you to that person, right? Like, But it's it's really all about uncovering motivations uh, That is that is at the beginning of that seeking to provide people value piece. So that's the advice that I would give to somebody that's trying to start a connection, seeking anything is start with what is motivating the person in front of you right now. And then you can get to how you can align those priorities with yours to get what you want. Do you find it easier on, you know, we've got social media, you can reach out to everybody. We'll, we'll get into some of these different technologies later, but do you find it easier to make a professional connection or a personal connection? I don't know how to differentiate between the two because I'm built to want to be best friends with everybody. And at a, at a certain, at a certain point in my career, like I remember very clearly in my late twenties going networking with my best friend, Eric Gilbert, who uh, introduced me as his best friend at a network. I was like, dude, why'd you introduce me as your best friend? That makes me sound super immature. And, <laughs> and, and, and now I realize, now I realize, no, man, that's the best like validation anybody can give you. Right. So, uh, I, I, I genuinely approach all of these, all of these introductions on how do I make a personal connection, regardless if it's, if it's business or not, because that personal piece will always bolster anything that you're trying to do. Uh, so I guess if I was to, if you were going to hold me to answering that question, do I find it easier to build a personal or a professional connection? And is, is the question, do I find it easier to build a personal or a professional connection on social media? Uh, let's go with anything. I mean, for, for myself, I, I find it much easier, as you said, building that professional conversations and stuff through those personal brands through, Hey, how's your family? Do you have any kids? Do you like, what are you doing? And maybe that's the teacher coming out. Maybe that's yeah. just the dad coming out sometimes, but yeah. you know, I, 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 I'm nodding my head with everything you're saying. Cause for me, it does make it easier to start having those, you know, what can we do together? Yeah. Want to get the kids together, you know, all, all those different things. Even if I'm at a, you know, an ISTE conversation uh, co conference across the country, it's still so easy to do a video conference and just to have those long. I mean, some of my best friends I've never met, yeah, right? but that's the value of social media and doing it for yeah. as long as I am. Yeah. So, so, so listen to, to, to your point, I think that I, th I don't see social media in a very different way than I see person to person relationships. It's, it's all, we're, we're still human beings seeking to connect based on, our motivation and how our motivations align with other people. It's just different contexts, man. It's like asking me, uh, can I communicate better with you through a letter or through a text? It's just a different context. So with, with that being said, you mentioned something, you mentioned that you're, you're a dad and a teacher, right? Like those are your motivations. That's, that's, obviously apparent to anybody that talks to you. Right. So, and any conversation that, that is going to start interesting you is gonna, is gonna at some point touch that vein of what's at your core and, and what, what really drives you and what your passions are. And for you, it's 
providing a great environment for your family and a, and a, and a great place for your kids to grow up and educating the world. Right. And, 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 and allowing people to, to learn things, right. Like making it easy for people to learn. So, you know, that is a really, that makes you an easy person to connect with. Right. Because that's a really human kind of like core thing that most people will want to resonate with. And I'm sure that's why it's so easy for people to connect with you. Um, other people, it's just, it, it's a little, it's a little bit different, right. Based on their life experience, but it's really all about getting to that point. Right. Like I, I remember one of, when I first started really leaning into this idea, right. I had just read this book called the mask of masculinity by Lewis Howes. And he talked about all these different masks that males wear in, in society that, that are kind of thrust upon them. And it's one of these books that my wife had asked me to read for a while before I finally decided to pick it up. And when I picked it up, I saw that there was like the mask of the Joker. And I knew, I was like, I know that she wants me to read it because she thinks I'm a clown and this and that. But, but really what really stuck with me was this, this thing of the mask of the know-it-all. And he starts the, he starts the chapter with this text from Ralph Waldo Emerson Every man I meet is in some way my superior, and in that I can learn from him. Oh, it's in my walks. Every man I meet is my is in some way my superior, and in that I learn from him. And that just hit me really, really deeply. Right, like this idea that every everybody everybody that you've sat across from, no matter how similarly they grew up to you, or or how or how common your experiences have been, there there is something that they've experienced in their in their journey that they've thought about a little bit deeper or they experience a different way that could shine a little bit of perspective or some kind of knowledge into whatever you're trying to accomplish in the future. And as I was really digesting this thing was when I took my, I, I had just taken this, I was in construction for 15 years and I took this opportunity to be the, um, a partner inside a, inside of a startup and to be the head of business development. And we went to our first conference and I walked into this one conference and I immediately made friends with everybody, right? Because, <laughs> you know, this like world of like the online entrepreneur that I had just kind of gotten into, they didn't have the amount of reps that I had based on the healthcare construction, chamber of commerce, nonprofit networker guy that was doing events three times, you know, walking into rooms of people that I didn't know three times a week, mm-hmm. except this one dude. Right. This one Danish guy whose name is Mads, so who I'm actually really good friends with now, spoiler alert. Uh, he when I first started talking to him, I just felt like, I felt like he wasn't vibing me, man. And at first my, my, my first idea was like, ah, oh, whatever, you know what, that guy just, I don't care, whatever, maybe he's a nerd, whatever. Right. Like it, my head started talking, like devaluing him. And then by the end of the night, I'm like, I've made friends with everybody in this room, except that dude. So I'm going to go talk to him. And I, I approach him and I'm like, so Mads, you know, so tell me, tell me more about you. Like, what do you care about? And we, we kind of started in this like trivial ping pong conversation. And at some point he's like, yeah, you know, because I'm an expert in human happiness. I was like, oh, <laughs> tell me more, man, right? Like, I, like you know, as soon as he gave me that little opening of something that he's an expert, I was like, oh, okay, well, I just heard in a Freakonomics podcast that the key to human happiness is X. <laughs> and immediately his eyes lit up and he's like, no, actually, I think that the key to human happiness is lack of judgment. And I'm like, yeah, I got goosebumps talking about it right now, right? Got like. It. You know, because I went to into like human happiness is human relationships. Like, no, it's lack of judgment because you can have all these relationships 
But if they're always judging you for what you're doing and not accepting you for who you are, then you're not truly happy. And it just blew me away. And that immediately led into this really deep conversation of which now three years later, he's my boy. Right. And I've like spoken at his virtual summit and, you know, I've referred in business and, you know, so, so it's, it's, I don't know how I got down this rabbit hole. Right. But it's, it's this like buying into the idea that everybody has value and just not not giving up on the person that you're talking to until you uncover it by asking questions and getting them to talk about stuff that might give you a, a clue, right? You know, really what you're looking at here, if if we can just kind of take a quick step back, it's, it's you know, entering a space, finding those who you have in common, you know, like we mentioned earlier, that, that, that survival fight or flight kind of situation, yeah. um, building relationships with those who have common interests, but not avoiding those who don't, you know, like you said, what do we have in common? How can we serve each other? Yeah. But then really making sure that these conversations last. It, it seems like when we're looking at relationships, you can look at it in two different ways. You're either building a relationship or you're building a community. And we offer in times in, in business, and I even see this in education, we use the word, you know, finding your tribe. And one of the places that you can go out there and find your tribe is an amazing platform called BeTheStage.Live. Pablo, tell us a little bit about it, because it really is a great place to build a community. What is it? How does it work? And, and how do people interact with you on BeTheStage.Live? Oh, man, BeTheStage.Live is uh, it's my life's work, right? I... When I, when I left the construction world, I left with this thesis that there was this way to grow businesses by adding value to other people. And I got this opportunity to, to do this uh, with this startup and, and it worked in a different context. And then early 2019, I, I decided that I had learned enough lessons that I really wanted to just execute this stuff at scale. And I, I left the partnership because it wasn't right. And my wife had this really brilliant idea of me taking a 90 day kind of like detox, right? Which I now, which I now, cause I, you know, I have a lot of relationships and I fall in love with everybody I meet. So, you know, I, like I, I can, I can, I can sneeze and somebody offers me some kind of a sales job and I'm like, yeah, I want to take it cause I want to do it with you, bro. Right. So, so I had to, I had to kind of like get a little bit of distance from everything that I had learned in order to gain perspective. Right. Like I think without, distance, there is no perspective. And, um, I now call it my purposeful pause. Uh, and what I did during that time was book these three, four conferences for over 90 days. Cause I wanted to just be walking into rooms and meeting people as I'm like trying to figure out my next step. And in one of those, in one of those rooms, somebody said something that stuck with me. And it's, if you're going to build a business out of anything other than you doing what you love to do that you're really, really good at as the main thing that drives the business. If you can do anything other than that, go get a job, right? So I took that to heart. And really what I care about is what I'm really good at that, that, that I love doing is seeing the value in people and then talking about it, right? So, so I'm kind of like this like natural hype man. And we built this company on that premise, on the premise that if you can provide people a stage and you can showcase the value of the people in front of you to those that you're trying to serve and serve them through the value of others, then you're going to win. It's more, 
it's more valuable to be the stage than to be the star of the stage. Said another way, it's more valuable to be a kingmaker than to be a king. So we've built this, we've built this business where what we do is we create these stages for companies in the in the form of a live version of an internet talk show. And we teach companies to look into their clientele and see what their clientele and the people in their network has to offer the rest of the people in their, in their, in their clientele and the people that they want to do business with and promote them and repurpose it and have these, have these open conversations where, where, where others can come in and ask questions to get their questions answered. And uh, essentially has turned us into show producers, right? On, you know, yeah, I mean, you know what it is, right? Like it's not unsimilar to this except with a, with a live audience and what we call it is a relationship flywheel, right? Like if you can, in all communities, as you said, right? Like if you, if you think of most communities, there is some kind of stage or somebody that there's somebody that kind of controls that stage and they serve that community by giving them information and then allowing people in the community to make it up to the stage or people from outside of the community get onto the stage to meet the community and the community to meet them. So we've really just replicated that in the context of the internet and the context of, uh, social media, uh, because we, I firmly believe that this is just the new context of communication that is now going to transcend everything else that we do because it has already. Right? Well, in this world where it's so easy to reach out and build those tribes in this world where as a teacher, you know, so many times when I, when I ask a teacher, do you want to come on the show or would you like to present at this? I have the teachers saying things like, oh, oh you don't want me. I'm not good at this. Yeah. Even in education, and I think a lot of teachers are fi- are feeling this right now. You know, it's that it's that week before school starts. I have back to school yeah. night. Talk to me a little bit in po- about imposter syndrome. We all have it. Yeah. You stand up on stage, and your first thought is, "Why me? What am I doing here? Is it too late?" It's no different walking into a class full of eighth graders for the first time than it is to walking into a conference for yeah. the first time, or a business meeting, or a bar. Or anything like that totally tell me a story about you and if you've ever had imposter syndrome how did you deal with it how do you get over it what would you suggest for anybody who's sitting there going what am i doing trying to make a podcast or what am i doing trying to be a speaker yeah talk to me a little bit about that man i know you know something about this yeah i would say just pattern recognition right i have i have the good i have the good fortune jeff now that i have because what I do is produce these shows for people. And part of our service is that we talk to every guest that we're about to bring on and talk and, you know, like warm them up to just let them know this is about you and this and that every single one. Right. And these are, again, we're not reaching out to speakers and authors and whatever we're reaching out to a company's client that happens to have done something special that we see that we want to promote to everybody else. Everybody feels that way. Right. Like every, everybody's first thing is like, man, I don't know if you guys can do a show with me like you've done with everybody else. I'm like, you know what? Get, get good news, because the person you just mentioned said the same thing right before we did it. Right. Um, so it's it's literally the most. I, I mean, I can't say it's literally the most anything right from my perspective where I sit. It feels like one of the most universal emotions there is. And the other the other sample point I have to give to that, Jeff, is that for an entire two seasons of my podcast, I would start off with this idea that my thesis on human connection is that 
sharing vulnerability and add value creates connection. So my first question would always say, I think we're going to add a bunch of value with this conversation. So tell me what you're struggling with right now so we can connect with the with the audience. And 60, 70% of people were always just like, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome right now. And these are people that have built companies. These are people that have published books. These are people that have been on stages. It's, it's, it's really just the most, it's, it's such a universal feeling. So whenever you're feeling that imposter syndrome, all you're feeling is a feeling of growth that makes you absolutely human. It's, it's a feeling of discomfort as you go to try something new and kind of like what, uh, what, 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 what's that saying of the, the, the coward and the hero feel the same fear. It's just what you do. It's just what you do after you feel that fear that, that makes you the hero, right? Like it is a prerequisite to growth is imposter syndrome. So if you're feeling that, you should be proud of yourself that you put yourself in a scenario where you are in a position to grow. Very well said. I, I think we can all learn a little bit from that. I know, you know, just again, starting off the school year, I kind of walk into my position and go, am I worthy of this? I, I Every time you have a guest on or you're having those relationships, let's talk a little bit about that here because yeah. for so many teachers, um, it's easy to talk to people who are younger. It's not as easy to talk to people eye to eye or eye to a little bit bigger yeah. than you. Yeah. When we have these relationships, what advice do you have for turning a relationship into a business opportunity? You know, so many podcasters say, I've got my show, how do I make money? Or I've got this show and somebody sees me, how do I turn that conversation into a money-making opportunity so maybe I don't get it taken advantage of or I don't do things for free. How do you build business relationships off of these personal conversations? I would say don't limit yourself by what you've already seen and understand that any value that you provide has some kind of monetary value to anybody else. And I say this because I talk to a lot of podcasters that are very, very fixed on this idea that I need to grow an audience to a certain size so I can monetize through ads or I can sell merch or whatever. When I've built an entire business based on the idea that because I know how to interview people, I can go do it for you. <laughs> right? So that skill set right now, right? We we're just talking about, we, we're at this inflection point with my company where I'm no longer the host of all these podcasts and we're bringing on hosts. And, um, and, and, and what I'm starting to realize is that not everybody knows how to run a Zoom webinar. Not everybody knows the buttons to push to go live on Facebook. It seems so basic, man. But some of the, the you know, some of the the stuff that we know the best, we falsely attribute lack of value to it because it's so easy to us. But there's somebody out there that that's the hardest thing they've ever had to do. So don't don't limit what you think is valuable based on what you think is valuable. Allow it. Allow people to attribute value to the things that you know and accept it. And once you've accepted that, then it can turn into a business relationship because then there's, because then there's, there can be monetary value behind it. And there's more monetary value behind stuff to, to the right, the right person. There's a mon there's a, there's a monetary value to just about any skill set. That's so, so important. If anybody is listening to this, do yourself a favor, jump back 45 seconds, listen to that again. I'm saying from personal experience, every single day I get, hey, Pablo, this would be a great topic for your show. And you need to decide, are you going to go ignore? 
yes, bring them on, or sure, that's X dollars. And one of the things that I've always kind of used to lead my business sense or lack thereof sometimes is this concept of play the long game. And for me, I have opportunities where I'll say, thanks, Pablo. It's going to be X. Um, I've got ways of asking that question. Or there are some times where I kind of get the idea that Pablo and I can do a lot of stuff together. So this one's on the house because I know that the Emerald City is coming. How let's put it this way what's your philosophy i see i see you smiling here what's your philosophy on this short game versus long game when when do you know to play both how do you know again someone's not just trying to take advantage of you for a quick fix how do you do this short versus long what's your thoughts you know i'm laughing because i know you know the answer to this right like i know i know i know you've sat through the core values of 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 like i've talked to you about that stuff Man, I'm the longest game player of all time. Like I, I hope I hope to play longer than anybody else I know. I firmly believe that relationships are way more valuable than transactions. And the longer timeline that you have to play the game, the more that you can lean into that. And guess what, man? I just listened to a podcast on Christopher Lockhead's Follow Your Different where they are figuring out anti-aging stuff and there's a really solid chance that anybody under 60 that's taking care of themselves is going to reach the age of 120, <laughs> right? You know, because, because of the things that are coming in technology. And what does that mean, man? That means that every single time, you know, every, every, the, every person that you've ever talked to every connection that you've made, every value that you've provided for anybody has a chance to come back around. Every con- every person you know is potentially a positive black swan in your life. There, there is no, are you familiar with the concept of black swans, Jeff? I've seen the movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> different, different concept. Oh, sorry, sorry. D- different lots, concept. Lots of dancing and tutus. That's all I can tell you. No, no, no none of that. So, so a black swan event, is something that happens that irrevocably changes the course of history and seems random at the time, but you can justify it on the back end, right? And, and, and they have it at different scales, right? So there's positive and negative black swans. COVID was a black swan. COVID happened, you know, like it's irrevocably going to change history forever. 9-11 was a black swan, right? Like we could have, maybe we could have seen that coming. It changed history forever the moment it happened. But there's positive black swans, right? The invention of the Model T is a positive black swan. The invention of penicillin is a positive black swan. And in this book called Black Swan by Nassim Tlaib, where he writes this whole investment philosophy around it, he talks about the fact that one of the reasons why New York City is so expensive and it's so priced in and it's worth it it's because you are always, you know, so densely packed with so many people that are that are living at this like high cost of living, right? So you got to share so many elevators, so many taxi cabs, so many subways, so many sidewalks with people. And every one of those interactions could change your life forever. And I just firmly believe that, right? Like who knows that who knows whether a conversation that you and I have Two years down the line, you run into some kind of, I don't know, billionaire tech investor guy that you're like, oh, you know what? I was talking to Pablo about it and he's got that thing figured out, man. Let me put you guys in concept in contact and boom, they're, they're, they're the, your life has changed forever. On a small scale, if you're a teacher, who knows if, let's say, who, who knows if 
the the one really kind of like bratty kid that you didn't want to deal with their parent for 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 that one time that you were just over that person who knows if because you treated them kindly they have a cousin that's single and you end up marrying that person right like it's it's every 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 single every single person you meet has an entire universe that you haven't been exposed to and 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 the more that you allow them to remember you fondly the better it is for you so my my answer to when do i know i've been taken advantage of man i will let that thing ride until i'm just like yeah okay this is clearly there is some kind of governor switch that happens in my head, right? Like I, I get clearly betrayed or something else happens, but there's never been a scenario where I'm like, well, that wasn't worth it because at the end of the day, you know, if somebody betrays you and somebody really just proves to you that they're not the person that they presented themselves to be, and there's no way that you can be aligned with them. It's, it's a cheap cost based on the upside that could have happened. And the moment that you find out, well, okay, cool, man, then they're out of the game. But you've got this whole other infinite game to play, and that's and that to me is, you know, the game that that needs to be played. One of the things that we've talked about, and and that comes up a lot in our you know podcaster groups and in our our conversations like this, whether edu entrepreneurs, is how do you survive that first date, and how do you get your second date? It's easy to connect with Pablo and say, hey, do you have do you have twenty minutes, and we talk. Yeah. And then, you know, the Zoom call goes off. And how do you do that best in the business world? I'm, you know, it, it's so easy to get the first date, not always easy to get that second date. You know, Jeff, I, I focus on having the best impression I can on someone, right? Like I, in, I speak about networking on stages and blah, 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 blah. One of the most common questions that I get is how do you follow up? Which is kind of this whole, like, how do you get a second date? And I'll tell you, man, I don't have i I'm probably the worst like technical follow-up person ever, but my trick has always been to just give every interaction I have every bit of my attention and energy and good vibes that I can because if I make a good enough impression on you, I don't have to email you the next day and say, thanks for the meeting. I can call you two years later and you'll be like, oh yeah, Pablo, I remember you, man. You're a good guy. What's going on? Right? That 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 really hit me one time. I had this financial advisor uh, called Olti, who's this like super cool Albanian guy that started you know, de- managing my 401k at a certain point in Miami when I, I really wasn't the... Uh, I'm still not right. Like a big deal (laughs) in any way. And I know that this guy would manage people with much bigger portfolios. And I didn't really understand why he was doing business with me. You know, I had the imposter syndrome going on. And then one day he calls me because he had some form I had to like fill out because I was switching something, which is probably not worth his time again. And um, I see the phone ring. I'm like, oh, what's going on, dude? And he's like, you know, Pablo, every time I call you, you're just like so happy. It puts a smile on my face. And it's like, <laughs> I look forward to calling you every single time. And, you know, like it, it really hit me. I'm like, this guy isn't doing business with me because of my, because of my net worth in any way. He's, he's, he is net negative in the effort he puts in based on the revenue he does. He's doing business with me because every time he interacts with me, he feels good. So make people feel good when they're around you and you have to worry and you'll get way more second dates. You don't have to worry so much about when that second date is and you can let it happen organically. Cause if you make somebody feel good, the next time they see you, 
yeah. that's going to kick in again. They're going to feel good again. They're going to be happy to take that call. And, and, and you know, I often think, how, how do I know that this is being successful? How do you know if it's going to be good? And, and, you know, on one hand, we're having these Zoom conversations constantly. And, you know, it's been a great summer, but it could be as simple as going to a convention and talking to somebody across from a table who's yeah. seeing a thousand people a day. How do you know if that you're if you're making a good impression? How do you know if what you're saying? Because we've, we've all done it, right? You, you go to a conference, you go across to some big table and you're like, hey, I'm this. I do this. You, you want to be on the show. I can help you. Whatever that conversation is. But then there's a thousand of them that come before you and coming be after you. Sure. My question to you is when we're looking at all of this stuff. How do you keep track of it all? Do you have a system? Is there a, an application that you like? You know, if, if you and I are having a, are you taking notes? Because yeah. so many teachers are trained to teach, but they're not always trained to receive. And, you know, even now I, I'm, I'm, my tables have turned. I'm now in the student position at, you know, going to grad school. I'm now in the listen to a four hour zoom meeting and take notes on everything. Those are difficult transitions for a teacher who's used to talking for four hours. Yeah. Pablo, what do you do to remember all of this stuff? Is it an, <laughs> is it, is it Evernote? Is it Google contacts? Is it you're writing it down on your arm and then you find it late? Like what, what advice, what applications should you, should we be, you know, using? I don't have a good answer for you, man. Oh. I like, like when I, when I, when I tell you, when I tell you how much of a, ardent believer I am on first impression. I'm not kidding. I am terrible at keeping track of stuff. I just know that I'm planting a bunch of seeds and they come back. That's a good answer. <laughs> Listen, I, I like, I, I, if I wasn't 40 years old and, and, and had, and had been through the loop a couple of times and, and, and been able to find my feet after multiple stumbles, uh, because the universe conspires in favor of those following their dreams kind of thing, right? Like I, I, I would say that it's, it's playing, it can be playing with fire if you want, man. But like, I, I, I just, my, my take on this is this idea that I'm so bad at keeping track of it, at having the technical aspect of it at the formalized follow-up at the whole, you know, oh, yeah, okay, I'm Pablo and this is what we're going to do. You know, like the, the, the whole like formality of it, I'm, I'm the worst, but you, and you don't have to be that bad. Like you can have whatever application you have. I'm just saying that if you lean more into the energy that you put into somebody when you meet them and, and the attention that you give them and, and the, the committedness to finding something inside of them that you truly believe is special and letting them know that it's special, that is going to add a lot to whatever you're already doing. That is what you lean into. I love that. Uh, and when we're looking at all of this stuff, there's so much that goes on in a conversation, in a first conversation, in a professional conversation. I, I think overall, and you know, whether it be your students, your students' parents, um, people that you're going to you know, work with as a podcaster, blogger, speaker, author, whatever, technician. As you've mentioned many times in here, 
show the value that you can bring to somebody, but also make it be about them. Make all these conversations be about them. Uh, you know, we talk about it here a lot. What is it that your avatar needs? How do you fill that need? How do you continue to fill that need? So that way they come back to your stuff. It's funny how everything just comes back to this word of relationships, relationships, relationships. There's so many different things that you can do of. I know one of the things that I'm looking forward to this year is seeing what all the great stuff is happening over on be the stage live. Pablo, one more time, talk to us a little bit about what we can find. I know you've got some great podcasts coming out. So I really want you to focus on that. If you can, who you working with, with all these great shows, what can we expect from you guys over the next few weeks here? Next yeah, few months? I, you know, I'll, Jeff, I'll be, I'll be lying to you. If I didn't tell you that the, the thing that I'm most excited about is this, is this show that we're doing for click Two, which is mm. this, cohort online-based educational platform. Um, it's been a real eye-opener to me, this idea that education is being revolutionized. The, the business model of it is getting democratized. The barriers of entry are getting bashed down. And I, for one, I'm super all for it because I think that you and the, your, your profession has been historically underappreciated, just like ma magnificently underappreciated in, in the role that you play in society versus the way that you are rewarded at the scale of what we measure stuff in, in society, right? And I'm, and I'm specifically speaking monetarily. Yeah. I think that you know, the idea that you need to have these like giant buildings and all this like flashy stuff that happens that, you know, uh, um, and, and all these different gatekeepers that, that stand in the way of an educator that knows how to bring knowledge to the people that are seeking it is, is going away. And a platform that can become the Shopify of education, of the Shopify of online education, right? Like if you think about what Shopify and e-commerce and, and the enablement of those platforms have done for the retail experience, right? Like you now don't go to any stores unless they're awesome. And you only buy stuff online from brands that you believe in, that you follow, that you really love, that treat you really, really well. You have your options to you, right? So I, I think a platform that brings everything around it you know, for an educator to be able to educate is going to create the best learning experiences inside and outside of the classroom possible. So we're, you know, launching for click to this lifelong educator show that I'm really, really excited to just have a little bit of like a, a, a thumbprint on because I think they're really brilliant people. You know, I, I, I know that I want, you know, I know that you're going to be doing some collaborations with them as well. And, and that, that, you know, for this audience is, is really something that I'm just really, really pumped to be a part of, to just make this impact on society. Apart from that, my podcast, the B2B community builder show uh, is, is, is me trying to prove that community creation is the future of business development and talking to people that know how to influence others, right? These like sales and marketing professionals and these executives about the value of community and how they go about building relationships and doing those types of things. Um, and, you know, I, I would say th those are the two things I'm most excited about coming out. And I, you know, I appreciate the platform. And if, if you go to be the stage live right now, um, there is a, there's a be the stage live slash book. Uh, I got a book coming out that's called the relationship flywheel, which is all these different methodologies and how to apply them in order to create this flywheel for relationships that will continue to become your, 
uh, cumulative advantage in everything that you do in life, right? Like the more that you're able to, 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 I don't want to say stack relationships because it sounds so transactional, right? But like the more, the more, the more reps you get at doing this and the more good impressions you make on people and the way that you can magnify the good impressions that you make based on today's context of technology and social media and stuff like that can make a really, really big difference in what you're doing really, really quickly. So um, I'm kind of giving away all my secrets in this book that I got coming out, uh, not secrets. Cause I talk about it all the time, right? I'm just putting it all pen to paper and, and putting it out in a formula that I think anybody can really execute on from a, teacher that's just figuring out how to make more friends and, 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 and get along better with, with their, their, their students' parents and, and have more influence there to the person that wants to launch a business and, and, and build a business based on relationships. So I appreciate you allowing me to kind of talk about that stuff on this amazing platform that you've built, man. He is an author. He is a writer. He is an entrepreneur. He is amazing. Mr. Pablo Gonzalez, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, guys, don't forget to check it out, bethestage.live. And we will certainly have links to all of his websites, all the books. We will make sure we have links for. And when he gets his book out there, we would love to have him c- come back and have that show. This is the Jeff Bradbury Show, episode number 38, talking all about relationships. Such an important conversation. And if this rings bell, to anybody out there, I would love to have you guys check it out and be a member of our community itself. You can, of course, find all the resources over at buildyouredubrand.com. Don't forget to check out our 90-day email marketing course. So many of you guys have checked that out over the last little bit. I am so happy and so thankful that I, I am here to be able to give you guys something that you can use to help you guys build your EDU brands. And that wraps up this episode of the Jeff Bradbury Show on behalf of Pablo and everybody here on Be the Stage.live. My name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to the TeacherCast Educational Network, hosted by Jeff Bradbury. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at TeacherCast or online at www.teachercast.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.